And good morning, Saturday morning here in Laguna Beach, Craig on Rainbow Radio, KXFM 104.7. Here, uh, it, where it, the current temperature, well, this morning coming in was 65 degrees. You know, the first thing I always like to hit is the weather report, because after all, sometimes that's all we want to know, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So um, today, it's supposed to reach 81, which is warm for Laguna Beach with a uh, 59% humidity. So, and um, that's today. Next, uh, this coming week, uh, it's going to be in the high 70s and mostly sunny. We got one or two partly cloudy days, but through uh, for the next week until a week from today, it is uh, mostly sunny, mostly sunny, sunny, partly cloudy, mostly sunny, mostly sunny. And the temperatures, like I said, are from 78. To 82 degrees tomorrow, 82, which is actually warm for Laguna Beach. But then I'm am reminded by some that uh, <clears throat> my followers that it is can often be that it is September, October, and sometimes even in November, it can get very warm here. Which we've kind of skirted it. We've avoid avoided what Portland, Oregon suffered so much with, and so much of the rest of the country suffered with high temperatures, three-digit high temperatures. We've kind of We've kind of have had a really good summer because I think it rarely did it even hit high 80s um, in, the, in the summer and, and not far away, maybe an hour and a half away by, by car. It was, you know, three digits in the hundreds. So, again, we are very blessed here in Laguna Beach, and I, I want to recognize that. And I also looked out to see if I could see Catalina Island this morning, and I can. So, apparently, they brought it back. <laughs> That's a running joke, but it, it's here again. So if you want to go visit Catalina Island today, I suppose it's a good day to do that. It's so nice. Now, there is a beach hazard statement uh, that starts tomorrow, and I thought I should read it because I won't be on the air tomorrow, and you may need to know it. Um, it says the affected area is Orange County Coastal. A beach hazard uh, statement remains in effect from late tonight to Monday evening, so the late tonight, Saturday. Waves and surf of three to five feet uh, with sets to six feet in strong rip currents. So be careful. Beach hazard statement is issued uh, when threats are strong uh, and rip currents elevated and elevated surf heights. So there you go. It's a, uh, there is a bit of a warning. Probably not like we've had recently where, where some of the beaches just went away. Uh, much too our disappointment but they're they always seem to come back so we always remain hopeful i want to thank our sponsors for uh, rainbow radio that is uh mike johnson and chris tibbett both of compass realty they've been uh, stalwart supporters uh i know mike for years and chris most recently has been very generous it keeps us going alive and helps keep the lights on here at kxfm and my little radio program. Uh, again, a reminder, if there is any programming suggestions you might have, you can always reach me at Craig at rainbow-radio.com. Craig at rainbow-radio.com. That includes people you might want me to interview that might be interesting guests. Um, so as without any further ado, as I always say on YouTube, every, seems like every Every YouTuber goes, and without any further ado, <laughs> what is ado? Ado? Ado this, ado that. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. So we'll get right into LGBTQ history. 
and that is on this date, on this date is September 4th, which is uh, today. Can you believe that? September. Uh, <laughs> 1957, uh, there's a Wolfenden report, and it's published in England, and the committee recommends that homosexual behavior between consenting adults in private should no longer be a criminal offense. How about that? That's 57. The committee also recommended that the age of consent for sexual acts between men be set at 21, uh, in contrast to 16 for heterosexual and lesbian sex. So, um, <laughs> oh my, there we go. Well, there's a, it, things have changed, though. Uh, but that's the way, the way it was. At least they recommended that um, it should no longer be a criminal offense. I mean, like, how are you going to regulate it? That's ridiculous. In 1976, started the, well, it should not be a criminal offense for more reasons than it's difficult to regulate. Don't get me wrong. Okay. In 1976, the start of a three-day fourth annual gay conference for Canada and Quebec held in Toronto, including a rally in March. Hmm. 76 Canada on the, on the edge there. In 1990, voters in Florida, Boward County, defeated a gay rights ordinance, 59% to 41%. Um, I wonder what the ordinance, could we have a little more information? I should, I should vet this a little better. In 2002, in Hungary, the Constitutional Court repeals a hundred and, uh, uh, 199 of the penal code equalizing the age of consent for both heterosexual and homosexual activity at 14. <gasps> wow. Well, then that means gets <laughs> Matthew Geitz or gets or whatever his name is. He could go, he could go to Hungary and be all right. Yeah. Uh, ooh. <laughs> um, anyway, I move right along here. <laughs> so I'm entitled to opinions. If you caught that one. September 5th in LGBTQ history. In 1970, Colombia changes homosexual behavior from a felony to a misdemeanor. Well, that's progress, I suppose. <laughs> and the maximum penalty is reduced to three years. So I wonder what the penalty was. <laughs> oh, my. From a felony to a misdemeanor. Well, again, that's progress. In 1987... The Homo Monument, a memorial to LGBT victims of the Nazis, is dedicated in Amsterdam, Netherlands. Why do they call it the Homo Monument? Sounds a little derogatory to me. They must have a more official name than that. But I may be wrong. You have to, people have to send me messages or text me. Um, on September 6th in LGBTQ history in 1935, wow, New York University professor Dr. Lewis W. Max tells a meeting of the American Psychological Association that he has successfully treated a partially fetishistic, fetishistic homosexual neurosis with electrical shock therapy delivered that intensifies considerably higher than those usually employed on human subjects. Oh, wow. Max's presentation is the first documented instance of aversion therapy used to cure homosexuality. For more on aversion, oh my God, how awful. So in 1935, if you 
say you were under 18, a minor, and your parents wanted to subscribe you to some uh, electroshock therapy delivered uh, in, at intensities higher than those usually employed on human subjects. So in other words, well, if you're homosexual, might as well really rank it, rank it up, crank it up. I guess I don't know that just whole thing that whole thing is just very disturbing and and not a good thing in 19 that's 1935 so we come a long ways it's almost 100 years yeah close in 1971 the annual convention of the national organization of women passes a resolution acknowledging oppression of lesbians as a legitimate concern of feminism well, there you go. Progress. In 2005, the California legislature passes a bill by 21 to 15 in the Senate and 41 to 35 in the Assembly to legalize same-sex marriage, becoming the first state legislature in the United States to do so without judicial prompting. So there you go. California, love you. <laughs> they didn't, the courts didn't have to say that it was unfair. They went ahead and made it correct before the courts even got to it. And in 2011, Governor Jerry Brown issues or signs SB 117 into law. SB 117, also known as the Equal Benefits Act, bars the state from entering into contracts with more than of more than $100,000 with vendors that do not offer equal benefits to the spouses of same-sex employees. So there you go. There's some more progress. There's progress on everywhere. <laughs> Moving along to September 7th in LGBTQ history. In 1981, Larry Kramer and two friends put up a banner at the Fire Island dock that says, give to gay cancer. They make it only, they make only $124. Well, In 19 uh, or in 2011, the United States Department of Health and Human Services issued a finalized guidance memorandum that creates an enforcement mechanism for the policy announced last year by the Obama administration, mandating hospitals that receive Medicare and Medicaid funding allow patients to designate their choice of visitors during inpatient stays, including same-sex partners. More progress. Well, we're just full of progress here, aren't we? <laughs> Moving on to September 8th, on this day in history, in 1983, the Ninth U.S. Uh, court, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco rules that federal immigration authorities cannot prevent lesbians or gay men from entering the country purely based on their sexuality, on the basis of their sexuality. Oh, that was 83. Hmm. Well, again, there was more progress. In 2008, Rachel Maddow becomes the first openly gay anchor of a major primetime news program in the United States to host the Rachel Maddow Show on MSNBC. Now we have Don Lemon and uh, Anderson Cooper, to name a few others. But apparently, Rachel led the charge. And again, I think that's progress. More more fair and equal representation. In 1985, in the, uh, on September 9th, now we're moving along September 9th, which would be next uh, Thursday, in uh, New York's, uh, in the New York City borough of Queens, parents launched a school boycott after the city allows second grader with AIDS to attend classes. 
you know, I, that's sad, but you know, I think when there's so little information about it at that point, I think including the gay community, there was hysteria and pandemonium, uh, because no one really knew. I mean, I remember thinking that they were thinking all kinds of reasons or other ways that you could, uh, come into contact with the HIV virus. Speaking of viruses, there's some more news on that. But anyway, unless I digress, in 2010, on September 9th, uh, Judge Virginia A. Phillips of the United States District Court and the Central District of California ruled in Log Cabin Republicans versus the United States of America that the don't ask, don't tell policy violates the Fifth and First Amendments of, to the United States Constitution. On November 2nd, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals had definitely extended a temporary stay of the judgment. Well, there was progress, and then progress was pulled away, I suppose. But I did not know that the law cabin Republicans spoke up that the don't ask, don't tell policy violates the Fifth and First Amendments. Um, log cabin Republicans is uh, gay supporters of the Republican Party if you didn't know. Yeah, but they did something uh, very honorable there, I have to say. On September 10th, uh, which would be next Friday, in 1996, the United States Senate passes the Defense of Marriage Act, uh, 18, 85 to 14, and rejects uh, prohibiting employment discrimination based on sexual orientation in the private sector, 49 to 50. Bad times, 96. In 2002, uh, Dutoilet versus Minister of Welfare and Population Development, the Constitutional Court of South Africa rules that same-sex couples must be allowed to adopt children jointly. And there you have it, on this day in history. Oh, my. So I digress, but uh, I should announce, I should say something, you know, this is Labor Day weekend. And so Saturday market is open. Um, great time to go stock up on your um, picnic barbecue home, or maybe stay at home, stay safe uh, approach. Uh, there was some very disappointing news on MSNBC uh, yesterday with all the experts that they are fearing with this new viral um, variant of COVID, which is, seems to be so strong and powerful that even some of those that uh, are vaccinated have some mild effects but, and can contract it. But um, nonetheless, the mortality rate is like 1% versus 99% if you don't have it. Um, and you wound up in the hospital. So that's, don't fact check all that, please, because I'm skimming over the top on it. But what was said on the news, which I'm trying to get to, is that um, over the uh, Labor Day weekend, that they, after the Labor Day, they expect, uh, they anticipate, and they just don't know how severe that there will be a, a rise, uh, like we had uh, just about a month ago that as we go into fall and winter and um 
I also will say that make a suggestion that the regular old flu shots are available too right now. I know at uh, Rite Aid um, for free and you can go get your flu shot, uh, which is great. Um, it's another way to protect yourself. And then of course, uh, if you've already been vaccinated for COVID, uh, there is some further discussion about whether there is a real uh, important need to get a booster shot. And I think that the news I saw was that there would be a determination uh, as soon as it's submitted to the, to, by the uh, manufacturers of the virus, which would be, uh, I guess, J&J and um, the other two excuse me, the other two, that it has to go through approval. And once it's approved, then, uh, but it's emergency approval, which means they will speed it up. So I guess where I'm going with all of this is that shortly, which probably means a week, 10 days, uh, there be a should be a determination as to whether a booster shot is a good idea for those that are in need or those that have already had um, their first vaccination and qualify to some criteria as a high risk, which I think is over 60 years old and, um, you know, diabetes or any other medical condition, then you could get in there, get in there to the front of the line. So I'm so glad that um, in, on this day in history, there's so many positive uh, improvements and, and I have some more news, some more news as, as always, but we're gonna take a short music break and I'll be back with the regular news on this morning in Laguna Beach. It is September 3rd, beautiful day in Laguna Beach. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to say. Yes, the, sw the sway in the motion of the ocean in, in that song. Um, I always like that. That brings uh, some primal thoughts, you know. <laughs> oh, a little too early on Saturday morning for that. Okay. So let's get back to the news. And uh, I... I, I, there's not a, there's some very unsettling news, but I, I don't know. I, I got to start with the, with the good news first. I should start with the unsettling, I guess, and wrap it up. But Oh no, not me. So I, I t often talk about LGBTQ things going on in, around the world. And a lot of listeners like to their updates, but I often uh, talk about our uh, neighbors to the South and Mexico and uh, how progressive many, uh, many of the municipalities are or states or cities or or regions or in the country as a whole but this here's here's another one this from the washington blade on august 27th lawmakers in mexico's yucatan state on wednesday approved a bill that will extend marriage rights to same-sex couples the marriage equality bill in the yucatan uh, congress passed by a vote of 20 to 5 uh, uh, we, they stated, we celebrate that after more than 10 years of fighting for marriage equality in the state, the Yucatan Congress has recognized it. How about that? Uh, said Colectivo por la Protección de Todas las Families. I think that means protect, total protection for families in the Yucatan in a statement. So how about that? Good news. Yes. <laughs> And back in the news, Little Nass, you know, uh, the, uh, uh, the artist that uh, was so controversial, black and gay and all these other things going on. Um, and he sang country Western music, got pulled off the charts when they found out he was gay. 
maybe black too. I don't know. Billboard magazine did that. Um, anyway, they there was such protest by the country country community that it wasn't really country music. Although uh, Billy Ray Cyrus decided to partner with him and um, make a statement. So I go back. I'm digressing. Little Nass is adding another award to his packed mantle after the Trevor Project announced he has been named their Suicide Prevention Advocate of the Year. I've talked about the Trevor Project many times here on KXFM, and it is a very honorable uh, organization that has uh, subverted many attempts for young young adults to take their lives. Having considered it myself at one point, uh, it's, uh, to me, very poignant. Um, So uh, what he's done in uh, his statements about coming out and his statements about self-acceptance and uh, many things I've read about him in the last year, uh, he garnered a reward from the Trevor Project. How about that? Suicide Prevention Advocate of the Year. The honor announced was on Wednesday, September 1st, uh, is the the LGBTQ plus suicide prevention organization's first time giving such an award, which is given timely, uh, which is timely given at uh, that September is the start of its National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month in the United States. The Trevor Project uh, said in a statement that it wanted to highlight the importance of queer representation in the media and the powerful message of visibility and hope it sends to the LGBTQ young people. The group cited uh, NAS's commitment to ending suicide among queer youth with his openness about struggling with his sexuality and suicidal ideation. His continued advocacy around mental health issues and his unapologetic celebration of his queer identity. When accepting the award, Little NAS expo out about how real discrimination around sexuality and gender identity is in the modern world and how the LGBTQ plus community deserves to feel totally free to be themselves. I often get messages from fans telling me about their struggles with depression and suicidal thoughts, and it made me realize that this was something bigger than myself, Nass said. You know, for, I think he's like 21 or 22 years old, I think he's very wise and mature, particularly on that subject. Uh, and we did we did have even some guests here, uh, some mental health professionals and um, from the community on the program. And I did interview him some time ago, and it was a very uh, emotional, um, uh, I guess, interview. And uh, But we ended on a high note, and I I do hope that through these processes and discussing it and not being afraid to discuss it, that it disarms much of the sense of urgency that youth have to do something permanent and drastic and unfortunate um, too often. Uh, So if you are of, uh, uh, you know, if you are struggling and feel... um, that the world is closing in and you have no options, there are many options and it does get better. I have to say, I never thought I would be on a radio, (laughs) on a radio program in Southern California, openly 
gay radio program in Southern California in a little beach city when I was 14 years old. And so things change a great deal. Trevor Project's phone number, or just Google it or take your smartphone, but they do have a phone number. It's 866-488-7386. 866-488-7386. Please give them a call. Give it a chance. Give it an opportunity. Don't, don't do the drastic thing. Uh, love yourself. Take care of yourself. Uh, yes. Anyway, well, let's move on. Conservative Christians generally believe that LGBTQ plus progress is a personal attack, the study shows. So I guess we're attacking the Christians just to be ourselves and honest with one another. Hmm. I don't go there so well. Okay. Anti-LGBT conservative Christians in America genuinely believe that progress for the LGBTQ plus rights and representation is an attack on their religion, a study has shown. Researchers at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, which is Missouri, they call the buckle of the Bible belt, published their findings in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Uh, through five studies over three years, researchers examined the causes and consequences of zero-sum benefits about Christians and LGBTQ individuals. Clara L. Wilkins, principal investigator and associate professor of psychological and brain sciences, I think I've got a brain science, hmm, said, many Christians have come to see themselves as being on the losing side of the culture wars. Christians may perceive that an America where same-sex marriage is legal is one in which they have lost their way and are now victimized. This is especially common among conservative Christians who are also more likely to believe that Christianity is a defining feature of the American being. Uh, as a result, they see themselves as, as odds with the LGBTQ plus individuals who are perceived to have as having increasing social influence for four of the studies around Around 2,000 self-identified heterosexual, cisgender, and predominantly white Christian Americans were surveyed. Researchers found that conservative Christians tend to believe that reduced bias against LGBTQ plus people would result in increased bias against Christians. In one of these studies, when Christians were asked to reflect on their religious values, they reported an increased level of perceived conflict with LGBTQ, LGBT plus people. Researchers also found, researchers also found that zero-sum beliefs of Christians in the study were based on uh, symbolic threats rather than realistic ones. For example, they were not worried about real-life threat to their livelihoods, rather a broader threat to their ability to instill and enforce their notions of Christianity values upon society. In the fifth study, researchers spoke that two members of the United uh, Methodist Church, after the denomination voted in 2019 to uphold a ban on LGBT plus clergy and same-sex marriages. The study showed that institutions play a huge role in shaping prejudice. Uh, as after the vote, the, re the relationship between zero-sum beliefs and prejudices became stronger, which suggests that uh, United Methodist Church Christians may have felt sanctioned to express 
their bias because of their institutional decision. Well, I find the most interesting part there that these institutions create prejudice. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. They shouldn't, no one should feel threatened. I think, uh, I think that's kind of propaganda, if you ask me. I, I think everyone who, who was, there was this comedic thing that, that said, um, uh, it, it went on about, I don't care about this, I don't care about that, and I don't care about the two guys down the street that want to get married and live together. <laughs> it's fine with me. Go do what you want to do. Um, anyway, I digress. Yeah, kind of had to be there. I shouldn't have brought it up. And banned and blocked LGBTQ websites censored from Russia to Indonesia. How about that? So the Russians are doing everything to interrogate the gay culture there, minimize it. And uh, then they discovered that much of the its presence was predicated on the electronic communication <laughs> that are so uh, easy. So when Russian cities started banning pride marches, LGBTQ rights activist Mikhail Tomasov, Tomasov took to the internet to make sure his organization kept its voice, but the state authorities were quick to catch up. Tomasov uh, said the country's internet regulator had tried repeatedly to shut down his group's website under the terms of Russia's 2013 anti-gay propaganda law which bans the dissemination of LGBTQ plus information to children. So far, his organization, the Russian LGBT Network, has been able to challenge the shutdowns in the courts. Somehow, we succeeded. Wow. Tomasov said, so our website is still up and our social profiles are still up. But not everyone is so successful, he told the uh, Thomas Reuters Foundation by phone. According to a major global report published this week by three rights organizations, 32 different LGBT websites were blocked at least once on Russian internet providers between 2016 and 2020. Newslet websites on the LGBTIQ related topics were most commonly blocked, followed by the cultural and human rights sites, said uh, uh, the report published by Outright Action International. The University of Toronto Citizens Lab and the Open Observatory Network Influence OONI. Same-sex relations in Russia are legal, but attitudes about sexuality and gender identity remain conservative for the most part. In, 20, in a 2020 referendum, voters backed uh, an amendment to the Constitution to allow marriage only between a man and a woman, effectively closing the door on potential future legislation in favor of same-sex weddings. Um, I don't know. I think, I, th I, I feel sorry for the situation there, but I think um, naively maybe that it will get better, but we will see. It certainly got better in a lot of other locations. Um, this is interesting. In the United States, 20 states sue over Biden admin schools work LGBT protections. So they don't want the kids to be protected for being gay. So they sued Biden 
In Nashville, Tennessee, attorney, attorneys general from 20 states sued President Joe Biden's administration Monday, seeking to halt directives that extend federal sex discrimination protections to LGBTQ people, ranging from transgender girls participating in school sports to the use of school and workplace bathrooms that align with a person's gender identity. Tennessee Attorney General Ho, uh, Herbert Slatterly filed the lawsuit in U.S. District Court in Knoxville, arguing that legal interpretations by the U.S. Department of Education and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission are based on a faulty view of the U.S. Supreme Court's case law. The Supreme Court ruled that uh, in June 2020 that a landmark civil rights law under provisions that called Title VII, we've talked about that before on the program, protects gay and lesbian and transgender people from discrimination in employment. Um, this June, the Department of Education said discrimination based on a student's sexual orientation or gender identity will be treated as a violation of Title IX, the 1972 federal law that protects against sex discrimination in education. A legal analysis of the department concluded that there's no pervasive a persuasive or well-founded basis to treat education differently than employment. How about that? Also in June, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission released guidance about what could be constitute discrimination against LGBTQ people and advised the public about how to file a complaint. With its guidance, the Biden administration um, in part took a stand against laws and proposals in a growing number of states that aim to forbid transgender girls from participating on female sports teams. The state attorney general contend that the authority over such policies properly belongs to Congress, the United States, and the people. The guidance purports to resolve highly controversial local, localized issues such as whether employers and schools may maintain sex-separated showers and locker rooms, whether schools must follow biological males to compete on female athletic teams and whether individuals may be compelled to use another person's preferred pronouns, the lawsuit states. But the agencies have no authority to resolve those sensitive questions, let alone to do so by effective FIAT, FATE, without providing any opportunity for public participation. During Tennessee in the lawsuits are Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, of course, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, and West Virginia. Well, <clears throat> our fair state is not participating in that lawsuit. It's uh, in 1972 uh, uh, banned um, sexual discrimination and just recently the courts decided. And so everyone lived with that for many years to discover that, uh, that perhaps it included um, being gay as sex discrimination. And the court upheld that it was, that that was the interpretation of the law. And so um, with that, that extends a, uh, is an awakening in a lot of areas where the discrimination has still prevailed. And certainly with LGBTQ community, it's prevailed. And so it's a process to eradicate it and be fair. And then lawsuits like that pop up to 
impugn the efforts. So here's a good, here's some good news. I'm running out of time here. I see, see for you. Yeah, well, well, let's move right along. A maritime medal is awarded to a sailor who championed LGBTQ plus rights. This I love. A second officer, Paul Owen, is the first recipient of the Merchant Navy Medal for championing, championing LGBTQ plus rights. The 53-year-old from Blackpool, this is in the UK in case you haven't figured it out, um, helped to create Pride in Maritime Network while he was uh, seconded from the Royal Fleas, Auxiliary Fleas. <laughs> Uh-oh, we're having a test. Okay, I think we're back. Um, anyway, we we're talking about the Maritime Medal awarded to a sailor who championed LGBTQ rights. Um, Owen said that he was deeply humbled and surprised to receive this honor, having suffered a degree of bullying early in my career because I identify as LGBTQ. I made the conscious decision to offer support to fellow seafarers who were experiencing difficulties because of their sexuality. This has been an, an informal bias through social media and company forums, but going forward, I will be appointed as the fleet Royal Fleet Auxiliary's LGBTQ plus champion when I returned to the RFA this autumn, 16 other Mariners were awarded, uh, were awarded by the DFT for outstanding service by Merchant Navy sailors. Hmm. And that is good news. What time is it? 49. I got time for one more. Let's see. Oh. Um, this is not very nice. I've, you know, apparently... The way they used to uh, deal with, um, oh, in Russia, deal with uh, homosexuals was that they would uh, put them under concrete blocks and crush them slowly, adding blocks. And that's a part of the ugly or unfortunate history. Um, and so recently they decided uh, this uh, patriotic military club, the Doberin Palace of Culture in Yaroslav, um, on Sunday, August 29th, as an unsuspecting audience looked on, cadet, cadets in camouflage fatigues hoisted a shirtless man above their heads and placed a concrete block with the inscription, Death to Faggots, on his stomach. The man proceeded to smash a symbolic, the symbolic object with what appeared to be a sledgehammer. Radio Free Europe reports, we view these attacks as a call to murder, says Chaya Sordin, head of the Yugoslav branch of the Veterans Group Defender. The performance was so shocking that Siderin filed a police report on behalf of a number of Russian veterans organizations. The statement to law enforcement agencies, agencies has already been written, he said. There were small children in the hall. The behavior is simply unacceptable, according to... Igor Durbin, director of the Palace of Culture, the performance did not have the venue's approval. We are outraged, he told 76RU after the show. I, 
you know, I always like that. I, the bump, one of my favorite bumpers stickers is hate is not a family value. And I can't agree with that more. And I don't think you are inherently born being hateful of certain people or certain aspects of your culture. Uh, hate is something that you learn. It's something that you see by example of others and uh, the crowd mentality uh, prevails and, and you adopt that same hatred based on your experience with, with others and their opinions. So it's something that is nurtured, let's say, unfortunately. And I, I wish that weren't the case. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, good family values, I think the best one you can have is, is honesty. I think that uh, too little of that is uh, <clears throat> is the devil's playground. <laughs> um, Biden has been urged to raise LGBTQ rights with the Ukraine president. Now, prior president was wanting the re the Ukraine prior U.S. president was wanting the Ukraine president to say that they were investigating a certain person with no with nothing more than just to please say you're going to investigate him so I can have that tidbit. And so now it's a totally different president and a totally different issue. And I, this is much better. <laughs> Members of the Congressional LGBTQ plus Equality Caucus have urged President Biden to raise LGBTQ rights with Ukrainian counterpart when they meet at the White House on Wednesday. So they uh, that was on the 31st. So... Yeah, they haven't met yet. That'll be next Wednesday. We write today to urge you to make it clear that LGBTQ plus equality in Ukraine and worldwide is a priority for your administration during your upcoming meeting with President Vladimir Zelensky. They wrote in a letter and sent to Biden on August 25th. The letter notes that Cong Congressional LGBTQ plus equality caucus has followed Discussions around the LGBTQ rights in Ukraine with the greatest interest. Ukraine has made significant strides on human rights generally, but has not been consistent on equality for LGBTQ plus people, it reads. In particular, we are alarmed at the introduction of several bills in the Ukraine's parliament that would harm Ukraine's LGBTQ community. While these bills, which include criminalization of consensual same-sex sexual activity and punishment for homosexuals, or transgender propaganda in the style of a harmful law in place in Russia have failed to pass, we expect that they will continue to be introduced and to be a threat to Ukraine's LGBTQ community. So I hope he takes that urge to do that, and I hope he represents uh, to uh, the Ukraine president just what's, what's happening there. And I'm, I'm very happy that this is Craig on KXFM. Uh, 104.7 in Laguna Beach, uh, Rainbow Radio. I will suggest if you have um, any comments, any input, any whatevers, please go to uh, rainbow-craig at rainbow-radio, send them an email or go to the website rainbow-radio and leave a comment. Uh, they're always welcome. I read them all. I appreciate all the comments I get. And we're almost ready for, uh, I'm going to take a song here that'll take us out into the next hour. And uh, I just want to say, bid everyone a happy and fabulous um, 
Labor Day, be careful out there. Keep your distance, do outside things just to be safe, just to not, just to discourage the spread of COVID would be a wonderful thing for, for everyone. And um, I'm unanimous in that, as Dame Edna always used to say, but I digress. So here we go with, we'll take you out. Uh, that's the way of the world. 